You know what else time it is, Kelly? No. It's time for Mixed Up! No! Mixed Up! Confusion! <laughs> Man, it's a killing me. There's just too many people And they're all too hard to please All right, guys, we're back for Mix of Confusion. We had a great episode. Don't think of it any other way. Great episode where we listen to a great album called Empire Burlesque. All right, now we've uh, bridged too far. No, I'm just lying. <laughs> no, I'm just we lying. We made it through. We did. 1985, we were not alive yet. I think that's important to note. So we don't have any weird nostalgia for the time period. Uh, talking to people who we work with, who we know, who were alive during that period, seem to have very, very specific nostalgic tastes. And uh, we're going to be avoiding pretty much all of those because none of this feels nostalgic to me yeah. at all, any of these songs. I mean, I, I remember listening to them, uh, some of these songs, you know, on the Mix 107.3, you know. 80s, 80s, 90s, 90s and today. today. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so I know these songs, and I think I was su- I was surprised, honestly, how much I know them. But um, but that's about it. You know, it's kind of, the nostalgia is more for like being a kid uh, in my mom's car, driving yeah. to school, and less of like cocaine. <laughs> so Which is the immediate connection for a lot of people. That is, that is the immediate connection. So Kelly, 1985, just in a nutshell, how do you feel about it? You, as you said on Empire Burlesque, episode 66, you enjoy the aesthetics, if you will, from the 1980s. You don't hate it. You're not viscerally repulsed the way that. Oh was. yeah, I definitely am a lot more. So you probably enjoyed our Spotify playlist a lot. I did more for the most part, I... yeah, with a few exceptions. Yes. But like, I'm... yeah, I, I don't have a problem with overly synthy stuff per se when done in a musically pleasing way. Um, and I did, I did like a lot of the goth rock. I liked a lot of the new wave, mm-hmm. dark wave stuff. So. Yeah, I don't. I definitely don't hate the '80s. And when I get in a mood, I mean, and I've been trying to build my own '80s playlist for a while that like right, satisfies this right. very specific requirement that I can't name, not because I'm being cagey, but because I can't figure it out myself. But I know it when I hear it. Well, so. we're gonna go down that explore, exploratory hole today and try to find <laughs> out what it is that we're missing. We're gonna talk about '85 in an overview. We're gonna talk about specifically June 10th, 1985. Why? We'll get to that in a moment. When we're just going to talk about albums, I'm just going to rattle off a bunch of albums, uh, broken them into semi-categories, and we're just going to talk about them. Sure. The things that we remember, or if we ever listen to this, or whatever. And then we are going to uh, close out with the Billboard Top 10, and uh, a couple international Top 10s, if you will. They kind of overlap, obviously, but there are about 14, 15 songs that are like huge 85 hits, and we'll kind of go into that as well at the end. And then we'll talk about a few other things, a couple of surprises here and there. So Kelly, 1985, aesthetically, you're down, you're down for the journey. What else was happening in 1985? I don't Musically. Know. Oh. VH1 premiered. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, it was skewed towards older, older Americans. Older Americans. The first video that they played was Marvin Gaye, Star Spangled Banner. Hmm. I don't know what that is. Okay. Rock in Rio. Um, I remember hearing about this when I was first getting into rock music, but there was 1.5 million people in Rio uh, for the concerts that were put on there. And I guess they still do rock in Rio, so I don't know who's headlining it today, but the first headliners were Queen, George Benson, Rod Stewart, ACDC, and Yes. Wow. What a weird world. Uh, I think the Stones, they set like a record where they actually had like a million something people watching That's them. That's 
incredible. Which is insane. I cannot even imagine. We Are the World oh. premiered this year. My God. Famously, there's that Bob Dylan video that <laughs> kind of made the rounds two years ago where he's just there singing the chorus and he has no idea what he's doing and he's really uncomfortable. <laughs> You've seen it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, he showed it to me a while ago. Long time ago. Uh, in February, David Bowie was the first artist to have his entire catalog up to that point. Major artist. Uh, to be all on compact disc. Holy moly. Which is kind of crazy. In March, the South African broadcasting company banned Stevie Wonder songs after he dedicated his Oscar win to Nelson Mandela. <gasps> yeah. Apartheid. Anarchist. Apartheid was a fucking thing, my friends. And it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. In April, David Lee Roth left Van Halen. And we're all still kind of reeling from that as a culture in general. 19, uh, in April of 85, Wham! was the first pop group to play in China. Oh, shit. Played 10 days at the Worker Stadium in Beijing. Wow. Kind of nuts. July, Live Aid took place in the UK and Philadelphia. Bob Dylan was a headliner. Uh, this is where we talked briefly about it, but I said that I would love to listen to Live Aid or like understand more of it because it was such a weird time. And Bob Dylan obviously made that comment about farmers needing aid, even though like we're feeding starving Africans. Like It was just a weird uh, thing, but obviously Farm Aid then became its own thing at the end of this year as well. Um, but it was headlined by Led Zeppelin. Came oh, back. Shit. I know, after a 1980s. Uh, in September, Michael Jackson bought the publishing rights to all the Beatles music for $47 million. That's right. Paul was not happy. In September, the PMRC, the Parents Music Resource Center, had a hearing in front of the U.S. Senate that had Dee Snyder, Frank Zappa, John Denver, John Denver testifying. Uh, later on, in December, two Judas Priest fans killed themselves or t- attempted su- uh, murder-suicide. Um, only one of them died. Uh, after listening to the band's records and uh, Judas Priest uh, were, um, they said that there were subliminal messages in the in the Judas Priest albums. So they had what? to go before. You didn't, you've never heard of this? I mean, I think I, that's such like a pop culture thing now mm-hmm. of, oh, yeah. of subliminal messages. I didn't realize it was like a real thing. 1985. And yeah, oh, the two fans were listening to Judas Priest music and then they had a suicide pact or a murder-suicide pact or whatever. And one of them shot, and then I think they killed themselves. But the shooting, the first person survived. Mm. And then they were like, what were you doing before? Listening to Judas Priest. Aha! Ah, we figured it out. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. And like I said, at the end of September, Farm Aid also happened. And that was John Cougar Mellencamp was the one that put it on. But that had uh, everybody. You know, the Heartbreakers, Tom Petty, mm. Bob Dylan. So, uh, so that's 1985 in a nutshell. If I was going to a record store... Let's say on June 10th, 1985. Just randomly. Yeah, who knows? Just a date, you know? What 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 do I want to buy? What 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 can I purchase on June 10th, 1985? You mean other than Bob Dylan's masterpiece oh, at Pair Burlesque? Well, uh, yeah, of course you're picking up the new <laughs> Dylan, as you got to do. But what, what do you, you know, supplement? Obviously, it's going to be a lesser record because Bob Dylan's a genius. Sure, sure, sure. What are the lesser albums that came out on June 10th, 1985? Uh, 10,000 Maniacs. Natalie Merchant, remember her? I do. Um, was she a thing independent of? Yeah, she had her own solo career after but the like fact. But like after the fact, mm-hmm. though. Not, so yeah. we know that remember, now. Thank you, thank you. That's but her. in 1985, we don't know Natalie Merchant at all. No, we know her as. Just in the talking heads. She's just one of the, no, no. She's just a head. She's just no. a maniac. She's just a maniac. One of the 10,000 maniacs. <laughs> There's so many of them. <laughs> of course you can't keep this straight. Yeah. Uh, can you name all the maniacs? Natalie Merchant. <laughs> okay. 9,999 others. No, no, that's talking heads. He, he might also be a maniac. I mean, he could be. Know. Who knows? Okay. Fair enough. Uh, wishing chair. So that that was okay. Um, I definitely, while I was listening to it, there's there's a couple of 
decent songs, but the other ones are, are kind of a slog, real slow and just like airy. And, and she she sings in a way, not that this is a detriment, and tons of bands do that, where you can barely understand her sometimes because it gets so ethereal, like, mm-hmm. which is not really my jam. Um, but I could, it was interesting listening to it because I've never listened to 10,000 Maniacs. And other than, Thanks. thank you, yeah. for Natalie Merchant, I've never listened to her stuff either. Wow. Um, but I know of her because they were such a, a fixture. So it was cool to listen to this album. And the my biggest takeaway was I think that the Cranberries actually pulled a lot from them because I could definitely hear some influences musically yeah. um, that the Cranberries were later to pick up. So so that was fun. And a million times better than Empire Burlesque, even yeah. if I didn't like it very much. If you much. want to listen to our Cranberries, we did talk about them on a mix-up. At length. At length, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it was a great episode, so go check that out, too. Um, you could also, if you're into them, R.E.M. Um, oh, we know R.E.M. much later becomes such a big uh, fables of the reconstruction. Yeah, that I yeah. So like, R.E.M. is another band that I never really got into, other than the hits. Mm-hmm. And Michael Stipe is also like a pop culture figure. He was on an episode of Pete and Pete. As well, nice he just man. sat in the corner on the Colbert Report. He would just be in the corner, and then he really? would just randomly be like, "Hey, obviously a part of pop culture, American mm-hmm. pop culture. Like you could, you know who Michael Stipe is. Well, they um, become such a thing in the nineties. Mm-hmm. This this early, very early version is. And sounds different than the the hits that I know, but I've never delved into them. I don't really think it's my thing. Again, mm-hmm. the album was fine. Uh, it nothing grabbed me. Like I just it was there. Yeah. Uh, nothing was super stood out. The the song we ended up putting on our playlist was probably the like the most catchy one. I think it was the most popular one on that yeah. album. Um, I could see this being just a fun kind of show to go to, you know, play it in the background of a of somewhere that you're just drinking, you're hanging yeah. out in Georgia, they're from, you know, Augusta or wherever, and it's like, cool. That's I'm fine. Just at a show there, and I'm enjoying myself, and it's enjoyable enough music, but yeah, it doesn't really... It's fine. It doesn't grab you. Yeah. Uh, or if you are really hard up for some U2, Ooh. and you're like, you know what, I, I'll i even take a live track or two, you could listen to Wide Awake in America, which... Well, this is before four we whole make EPs. fun of U2. I mean, it's this true. is like at the height of So you probably do want those four you tracks really bad, because it's two original and two live tracks. Yeah. Um, and you two, yeah, you two was good then. The songs are fine. Mm-hmm. like them. I mean, I like their early stuff, as a lot of people do, because, man, you can't get away from Blood, Sunday Bloody Sunday, like, no. The Name of Love. You might oh. remember, if you don't know who U2 is, he is, they're featured on Triple <laughs> X by Kendrick Lamar from his latest. Oh, that's right. Album, where they're singing about America, and it's like, Bono, get the, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Just get out of here. <laughs> It's a wide awake in America. It's like, wow, this is such a 1985 mm-hmm. take on. Come on, Bob, get out of here. You said there was a talking hell. He- well, talking, talking heads. heads. Yeah, little creatures also came out that day, and the Beach Boys released uh, a self-titled after years and years. Uh, maybe there's already another Beach Boys self-titled. I don't fucking know. I mean, it's like Weezer, right? You can just self-title everything and just call it a different thing. So anyways, the Beach Boys also released something. And I looked it up, and I didn't listen to it, but Brian Wilson is on it. So the Beach Boys are always, you know, I'm I'm definitely a Brian Wilson fan. I Mm. don't really care about the rest of them, so. But this was also the weird moment, too, because Full House is about to start, and Full... They, they show up on Full House a lot. 1980, I think 8 or 9 is when Full oh, House Oh, okay. Starts. I was like, 85? Holy shit. No, 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 really? no. Yeah, no. But the the Beach Boys show up a lot on <laughs> really? Full House. I don't remember that. Yeah, because Je- Joey, uh, Je- Jesse. Jesse's, Jesse. yeah. And the Je- Rascals and the Rat... Uh, Jesse... Ramblers? The Rollers. Rippers. Rippers. Jesse and the Rippers. <laughs> yes. The, just the Ravens, the Rollers, the... <laughs> The randoms. <laughs> the randoms. Jesse and the randoms. Jesse that. and the 10,000... 10,000 10, maniacs. 9,000... 9, <laughs> four of the maniacs. Um, 
No, they show up a lot weirdly. Like when when the, when they all go to Hawaii, of course, because you gotta have the so that's June 10th so while you're picking up Bob Dylan's record you can get the Beach Boys R.E.M. Talking Heads uh, 10,000 Maniacs or you too I mean these are bands that we all still know today yeah. I mean for the most part I think maybe 10,000 Heads are t- see yeah. they're kind of interchangeable and I think that they're talking heads. kind of on the you know people don't really respond that much to them but everybody knows who R.E.M. is even mm-hmm. if they don't they're done they don't make music anymore and you too of course is you too so they will be around Till the apocalypse. <laughs> so, Kelly, let's talk about 1985. Uh, we have a we have a playlist uh, at our website, uh, sotwpod.com. You can go to the Mixed Up Confusion, uh, go to the Empire Burlesque um, site link or whatever they call them. What do, what do they call them on a website? Go find Empire Burlesque, and on there you, you're <laughs> going to find our playlist for 1985. You can also search for it on Spotify. Just put in. 1985. I'm sure it'll show up somehow. Uh, we've got basically a song from every single one of the albums that we're going to mention, but I, I thought I would just kind of roll through them. Sure. And we can just kind of like riff on who these people are, if they're still famous, if they're a thing anymore, what is their, what are they today, 33 years on from the moment that we're recording this. So there was a couple debut albums in 1985 that I found interesting. Whitney Houston, oh, her first album came out in 1985. Freddie Mercury, had a solo debut called Mr. Bad Guy that came out in 1985. Sting had his debut, which is kind of crazy. It was called The Dream of Blue Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. Uh, Dinosaur Jr. had their first, their debut as well, uh, called Dinosaur. LL Cool J, his debut, Radio, in 1985. As we uh, we know from his famous later lyric, Deepest, Bluest, My head is has like, like a shark's fin. Uh, and then, of course, Megadeth had their first debut oh, with sure. the great album title Killing Is My Business and Business Is Good. That's Dave Mustaine, right? Yeah. 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 And so Megadeth, they're, they're still big. People love love that type of music. Was the dude Ian something no, with that, the beard? That's Anthrax. Oh, also Anthrax. had an album right, right. this year as well. Okay. And they were huge in this moment. You yeah. know, the Motley Crue shit, all that kind of... And Anthrax is better than that. Motley Crue is definitely the dregs of, of this. Well, that's more like hair and then they hair. were actually like metal. They were like metal, yeah. yeah. And, and Slayer, obviously, we're going to get to that later on. But it's kind of crazy. I didn't realize Whitney Houston was so late. I thought she Yeah, was... I thought she... It's interesting, like, hearing these names and not really having a concept at the time because we weren't alive. Mm-hmm. But, like, Whitney Houston seems eternal. Like, she's always been there, mm-hmm. right? And then other bands, I'm like, Dinosaur Jr., didn't they just pop up in 98? Like, what? Oh, see, I would have said Dinosaur Jr. is from, like, the fucking 60s. Like, wow, making yeah. weird, like, like, the kinks, just making music mm-hmm. forever. Just, like, nobody really paid attention to them until they suddenly kind of did. Sting, though. Sting also feels weirdly mm. eternal in a bad way. But, like, the dream of Blue Turtles. What a terrible, terrible... And then Freddie Mercury, of course, is having another moment in, in current pop culture with uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie, mm-hmm. uh, with Rami... Hmm, Malik? Malik. Yes, Rami Malik uh, coming out. I guess it's already, in theory, out. Oh, yeah. It might not be coming. Might, I mean, it's out. People Limited it, release, but... but... Yeah. So, so that's a whole thing. Uh, some of the biggest albums of the year, and I, I put biggest in kind of quotes because these are these are kind of the, the, the main big artists that you still know today. The biggest one, weirdly enough, was Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits. That album was one of the first ones recorded for the CD market specifically. Hmm. It, was, it was all digital, so there was no reel-to-reel, and it sold everything. It is diamond in the UK, which is 10 million. There's 9 million in the US, 30 million sold across the world. It was the first CD to sell 1 million copies. 
And there's the Bob Dylan connection because Mark Koffler, who plays and sings, he's the main dire strait, if you will. How many dire straits are there? Who knows? 10,000 maybe. <laughs> um, he, he played guitar on Slow Train Coming. It was probably the, the one good thing about Slow Train Coming is he's a great guitarist. Um, but gag me with a spoon, as they would say in 1985. <laughs> I'm not into Dire Straits. Yeah. I gotta say that that song in particular money is for such nothing. a strange song. Yeah, money for nothing. Yeah, mainly because it's fucking long. It's really boring. But it is, uh, you know, looking into it more. I mean, for us, just throwing the word, the F word out there, you're yeah. just like, boof. I'm immediately turned off. Yeah. But apparently. I don't know. I'm I'm not always a fan of like he's a character, you know, because that's what it is. He's basically yeah. I read an, watching... ar- an article uh, that was published in the Guardian, like in t- 2011, about it because it's like, how did this happen? So obviously, uh, people were more okay with being openly homophobic in 1985 than they are now. Yeah, true. Uh, but yeah, his stance was, no, I'm just like in in, in the mind of a, a okay. average middle class person, who, yeah. and this is what they think when they see people on the, the TV. hardware store. Yeah, he said apparently they were all watching on TV and made an offhand comment or something. I and don't doubt it. Like, oh, yeah, no, totally. Yeah. I, his story is believable. And, and that person, I know that person. That person definitely exists. Oh, yeah, and they still do today. Yeah. Like, it's not to say that that doesn't exist, but the fact that, you know, uh, the the article that The Guardian was talking, or the article I read from The Guardian, they were talking about because Canada mm-hmm. had just yeah, banned it, the, um, any play of it that wasn't censored. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, it took that long to get rid of it. The fact that, like, you know, to make the comparison with, like, I don't want to get into the whole minutiae of everything, but, like, there are songs that have been edited for a long time, and it's totally not a problem, but people getting up in arms and, like, saying that, well, it's just a character. It's like, you're still saying a word that, that denigrates a whole giant group of the population, like, that, that makes us feel like nothing. That I mean, that word is not anything other than a hateful word meant to make people feel low. It's literally saying you should die in a word. Mm-hmm. Like, that word means these people should die. Yes. And, like... Why the fuck was that on the radio for so long? True, and if it's like, and if that's part of integral to the song, there's plenty of songs that curse and are integral to the song. And blanking it out, I don't think takes away from anything. It just, if you want to discover the song, you're going to discover the song anyway. It's like mm-hmm. fucking Lint Biscuit or whatever, or right. this podcast censoring this podcast and me just saying fucking. Like people are going to go find it, and it's like if you want to make the song and and have that statement, I I, I have to be all for it. Go for it, my guy. But. Do we have to listen to it? Song sucks. It's not good. It sucks. <laughs> and Sting like tries to his best to like distance himself what? from. I wasn't the song. in that song. Yeah. What? <laughs> uh, no, I just money for nothing. That's all I said one day. And, <laughs> I uh, want my. That wasn't me. Oh, that could have been anybody. TV, right? Yeah. What? what is this? Uh, so yeah, no, I just think it's it's major crime is sucking. It's just boring. <laughs> it's not. A, I don't like the song. So, yeah. but I guess people from this era, obviously, you know, they like the song. They probably love that album. You know, people get I don't, really, I don't hate really the song, actually. It. Like, I the guitar. Like, yeah, I don't. I don't well, he's cool. He's a, he's a good guitarist. I'll give yeah. him that. That's fine. Phil Collins. No jacket required. 1985. You're a Phil Collins. You love this. I have no, no concepts of, like, Neil Diamond, Phil Collins. They're all kind of the same to me, except for the hits. Yeah, man. Three, so, three no weeks ago, though, that's a big thing. I went nuts on Phil Collins, a little bit of Genesis, and uh, fucking Peter Gabriel. I just, like... You're just sending me album covers. Oh, Peter Gabriel. To, like, oh, my God. I know. Trying to understand. Just, like, what is... It, it, his shit is terrifying. It's always a picture of him, but like in the creepiest, most fucked up way possible. Mm-hmm. And like his stuff is kind of synth poppy, but so dark. Like knowing his edge from it, it was just like, this is, I don't know. I liked it. So Phil Collins, I didn't get super into, but I do fucking love 
uh, in the air tonight because who doesn't? Well, who doesn't? Uh, and that's certainly on my specific 80s feeling playlist. That's why I so. mention it. You know, this is very important. So really, we're going for that Phil Collins vibe, but mm-hmm. not Phil Collins. And maybe not even No Jack Required. Maybe it's just that, you know, just that one moment from Phil. But, um, you know, if you, if you know the vibe that Kelly's trying to go for, please text us. <laughs> text us? Please tweet us <laughs> at SOTWpod.com. No. But see, Jesus. I've even looked at lists of people like songs like In the Air Tonight. None of them, none of them meet. Uh, in oh, the Air Tonight. Songs like it and you listen and you're like, no. No, doesn't count. doesn't mm-hmm. work. I, in Your Eyes, Peter Gabriel, mm-hmm. works. But almost nothing else. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers released uh, Southern Accents. Mm-hmm. Some weird ass fucking album trying to like get in the mind of like a modern day Southern man. I mean, he's okay. from yeah. the South or whatever. They're, whatever. But yeah, man, they're from Gainesville. Yeah, is that really the South, though? I mean... Yes. Northern Florida is absolutely the South. And before enough. it was a, a university is town. A, is is a cultured man. He is a he is a uh, an empathetic soul. That album's not great, but Don't Come Around Here No More is definitely... That one is stuck. Could my dad used to listen to Tom all the time. Oh, yeah. I remember that from my childhood. Listening, after he passed away, I listened to Southern Actions for the first time, just listening to all of it. And I was surprised. Again, being the 1980s vibes, I thought this was going to be like... Kind of like the band, like music from Big Pink, like we're going to go back to our roots, if you will, mm. these fake roots that we pretend to have. So I thought he was like, Southern Accents was going to be like going back and like trying to make like the sequel to Dixie or something mm. like that. But it's like weird synth poppy too. There's a like, fucking wow. sitar in this song. Yeah. Or Bizarre. that song specifically. Yeah. yeah. Like Rebels and you know, it's it's such a weird record. It's not terrible. I don't hate it. I, I think there's something to it. I just, I disagree with what he's trying to do. <laughs> Aerosmith. Apparently in 1985, they were done with Mirrors. That's the album title. That's the album title. Done with Mirrors. So Aerosmith is still existing. I think that was their 16th album, if I'm not wrong. ACDC, Fly on the Wall. Never heard of that album in my entire life. Joni Mitchell, Dog Eat Dog. Never heard of that in my entire life. Aretha Franklin, who sadly just passed away a couple, about a month ago at this point. Uh, This was the only song post-1960s that I actually listened to. Is this 85? Apparently this was like her comeback album Hmm. uh, called Who's Zoomin' Who? And uh, one of the songs is just like straight synth pop, and it's her singing over oh. it. It's kind of fun, but not a great song. So it's really weird to hear her, especially coming from the soul to the soulless 1980s, was really rough. And then Miles Davis, who we all know, You're Under Arrest is the name of the album. <laughs> and it is the scariest album cover I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> he looks like the Hamburglar. You think and, so? Oh my God. He's wearing like a really weird leather jacket and just like, it's unfortunate. So of those albums, any stand out to you? The Aerosmiths, the Joni Mitchells, do you like listening to them? I mean, obviously Aretha Franklin is, is dope and we've listened to a lot of her just in the last month or so. I mean, but... I've never listened to any of those albums except for the Tom Petty one. So Yeah. But you know those bands. Is what yeah, 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 for sure. So this is like kind of like on the way. And I guess I have listened to No Jacket Required. Yeah, that well, is a fact. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some other albums that people love and hate. So this is just a grab bag of the rest of the nineteen eighties. Sorry, nineteen eighty five. Uh, Kate Bush, Hounds of Love. Oh, so she came out the solo release that that year too. Yeah, it's a choice. The album is choice. Oh, wait, never mind. Sorry, Kate Bush. I got her confused with Natalie Merchant for a second. My oh, bad. Oh my god. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, Kate Bush, as far as we know, is not one of the ten thousand. No, <laughs> as far as we know. Oh my god. Uh, it's fantastic. What a great. Yeah. What a great album. Running up that hill is like one of the most haunting songs. I first heard that song through Placebo, who is one of my favorite bands. Um, he does it. Brian does an amazing version of that song that really makes it even fucking sadder because you take away the the synth like pop you know campiness of it and it just really is like soul rending uh 
yeah, so that is a caper's great, and that mm-hmm. song is like fucking eternal. I don't know much about Kate Bush, but man, that was a really cool album. Uh, Rate Your Music had at number one Rain Dogs by Tom Waits. I will never understand Tom Waits. I brought this up earlier with Frank Zappa, Tom Waits. How? How did we all collectively agree that this was like okay? And See, not just okay, but like really, really famous. Well, to be number one. I mean, obviously, that's just people voting yeah, at a Rachel Music, still. but it's still uh, that is his the album of choice, and you listen to it. It is such a weird, eclectic, strange. Yeah, album, it's part spoken word, it. part like burlesque show, yeah. part sea shanty. I. I get why it's so popular. I think that it's a very hipster pick because it is so weird. Like, yeah. oh, I'm so cool and smart. I can understand this yeah. like eclectic all over the place album. But it is really cool and enjoyable to listen to because like if you're not into a song, don't worry. The next one will be completely different. So, But the one thing that it doesn't do, it never dives into weird synth pop. And mm-hmm. I got to say, yep. that's maybe the saving grace of the entire thing because it doesn't sound fucking dated. Yes. Instantly. Because yes. even Kate Bush, that entire album, is very tasteful with its synthesis synthesizers. <laughs> and that is essential. Because otherwise, it is immediately from this moment. Mm-hmm. Or just the 80s in general, as we remember it. Sade, promise. Mm-hmm. Sade was a huge thing in the 1980s, apparently. Yeah. So. Well, especially in uh, in the UK. She's like still very beloved. Yeah. And still, I think, around making mm-hmm. music. Uh, Jesus and Mary Chain, someone I have not listened to a whole lot of, but Psycho Candy, we listened to a couple songs from that. So good. It's so good. They're really great. Aha. Uh-huh. Hunting High and Low came out in 85. I didn't realize that, but we obviously will talk about Aha uh-huh in a moment. The Smiths, Meet is Murder. Mm-hmm. You love you some, some not... I want to say you love you some Morrissey. No, nope, that would be not very, so much. very rude thing to say. <laughs> not I true. wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. <laughs> uh, no, I really can't. I have. I find I have a really hard time separating Morrissey and the Smiths from like good music that I want to listen to. Yeah. that's one bridge I've never really been able to divide uh, to cross because I do not like him. Yeah, and I do not really care for this type of music anyway. So it's like even if I want to get an education on what they're about, I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, I do like the Smiths, unfortunately, and this is something that we'll be talking about forever, about art from artists and stuff like that, and it's tough. Uh, I don't need the Smiths to live. It's fine. I do like 80s goth rock, and I do like their music, but uh, Morrissey's garbage. So, I mean, anytime I need to listen to the Smiths, you can just listen to The Cure instead, and hopefully Mm -hmm. Robert Smith's not problematic, too, although I'm sure he's done some stuff in his day. His hairstyle is. Yeah, that's true. Um, But yeah, just listen to The Cure. That's not the cure. I think that's always going to be the better, better bet. The cure, I think, released a record in 85, too. Yeah. Got Sonic Youth, Bad Bad Moon Rising. They're about to hit big, too, with the grunge thing coming up. But those early records from Sonic Youth, I went through maybe five, six years ago, listened to all of Sonic Youth. And, uh, what do you think? It's a weird go. Especially this stuff. It's like, Kind of strange. And then when they go grungy, you know, that's when they become more popular. And it's pretty good. But it's really the two of them. It's, uh, I don't even know what their names are, but the guy and the girl. Mm-hmm. There's that push and pull. Like, they just got divorced yeah. like a couple of years ago. Like Anyway, yeah, I never really got into them. I think Cool Kids was, like, the, a song on Guitar Hero, which is the first I ever really heard of Sonic Youth. Um, and I just, it's not for me. I tried to listen to them a couple of times. And it's not one of those bands that forever, like, I appreciate what you did for music. I appreciate you as a person, your mission statement, like, your artistry. But it's just not for me, man. No, I agree. Yeah, Thurston Moore and Kim Gordon we're talking about so those two yeah so um so it's weird bad moon rising is definitely some of that early stuff too before you get to like goo and all the 
sort of when it starts hit. And really, it's, you cannot separate them from the Pacific Northwest and mm-hmm. from grunge in general. So they will always be, unfortunately. Even if, even though I don't think they fully fit the mold, they're definitely part of it. Uh, Slayer, Hello Waits, Gnarly, Gnarly release. I'm putting in a lot of uh, 85. Oh, your lingo. Oh, I'm Absolutely. really confused. Yeah, Kate Bush choice, you know. Gag <laughs> me with the spoon. Yeah, you know, that, that one was okay. obvious. Good, good, good. Uh, Slayer, Hello Waits, uh, very unslayery. You know, we think of Rain and Blood, but mm-hmm. this was very weird. It was kind of like a, just a, like aggressive thrash. It was more like thrashy, it felt like, more than just like kind of the stayed Slayer metal that you think of, I suppose. I don't like Slayer. I shoplifted one of their albums when I was like 14 or 15 from FYE or somewhere. Police! <laughs> and really regretted it. My brother was like, did you just buy this because you like Buffy? And I was like, well... I have news for you. I did not buy it. And also, uh, no, <laughs> duh. <laughs> I'm hard. <laughs> yeah, I really just was like, I was really testing things out. It was when I first started listening to music that wasn't just stuff my mom and dad had been playing. You know, like 13 and 14 is when everybody kind of finds themselves yeah. and gets a little bit of autonomy. Like, oh, I know what I like. So, I mean, my musical tastes were all over the place. I didn't know what I liked, but I was like, okay, well, this is metal. Let me try this out. And I was like, they're like seventh or eighth album and they oh, had yeah. already given up. And it was, I mean, not that I like their shit otherwise, but no, I was like, but this Slayer is a like mistake. An institution and like that's somewhere you go, especially Rain and Blood. It's such an amazing riff. Uh, and everybody learns it, and how? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's so weird to like learn uh, guitar, especially our age. You know, all of this like great riffs and stuff were fresh at the time. Yeah, and they just feel so dated now, or so simple. You know, they're so easy. Like even a fifteen year old can play it, but there's something special about doing it in the moment. And obviously, the more simple it is, is often the better it's going to be. Uh, Kenny G, of course. I mean, we, this could have been up in the best albums. Uh, Gravity was released. Sure. Who knows what number of that album that was. <laughs> uh, New Order, Low Life. That mm. was a big record of the year. They had two top ten. And we talked uh, about Joy Division last episode, I think. Yeah, yeah oh, absolutely. No. Whatever, recently. And Ian Curtis uh, was in the... Um, and Joy Division. Joy Division. And once mm. he uh, passed away, they formed New Order. New Order, which uh, kind of kept the... Yeah, that new wave style going. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Fall, uh, This Nation's Saving Grace came out that year. The Fall have released like 50 records. Oh, so that shit. is a very imposing. Uh, the lead singer, I forgot what his name is, he passed away I think this year or maybe or late last year. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go back and listen to The Fall. Like He sounds pretty cool. He sounds really prolific. He had quite a career. And then I'm like, oh, there's a thousand albums. No, I'm <laughs> not doing any of that uh, ten, oh, here's the 10,000 Maniacs moment. Uh, Tears for Fears, uh, songs from the big... We already talked about that. Uh, Meat Puppets. That's familiar. Up on the Sun, yeah. They were a, they were a big big band at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, Motley Crue, Theater of Pain. Sure. Uh, Barf Me Out. <laughs> is that is that an 80s euphemism or is mm-hmm. that you? No, that's, that's the 80s. Oof. Yeah, we don't really use Barf Me Out anymore. Barf Me Out. Yikes. <laughs> It fits for Motley Crue, though. Stevie Ray Vaughan, Sold the Soul. We talked about Stevie Ray just a few episodes ago. We played with Bob Dylan uh, hmm. during some session. I can't remember what, what that was. John Cougar Mellencamp. He was still going by the Cougar part. Uh, Scarecrow. Sure. And David Hasselhoff, Night Rocker. Oh, man. Yeah, that's on our playlist, too. I highly recommend you guys listen to that. But the best part of the 1980s that never gets talked about in pop culture because it was not a part of pop culture and still kind of is not is punk punk mm-hmm. 1985 punk what a great fucking year not only for pop like pop punk as we think about it today like some of this stuff doesn't have like a sort of the edge that you think of when you think of like early black flag or like minor threat or whatever but there is this 
cutting edge before we get to like grunge, which kind of like takes over all of this like alternativeness and really warps it into something dumb. But uh, the biggest punk release, if you will, if you want to call him punk, is Who's Gurdue. Uh, two albums released this year, New Day Rising and Flip Your Wig. Uh, both of them have like 45 songs on them and are like an hour long. Too long, but are fantastic. The Clash, their final album came out called Cut the Crap. I recommend nobody ever talk about that album. Never listen to it. It's fucking horrible. <laughs> and that's the only one. Joe Strummer's the only one on there. The rest of the band broke up. Uh, replacements, Tim. We listened to a little bit of that. That's on our playlist. Uh, the, the classic band X, Ain't Love Grand, also came out in 1985. The Damned, uh, Phantasmagoria. Mm. Not great, but the Damned are a classic punk band. Circle Jerks, wonderful. Dead Kennedy, Frankenchrist. Uh, Soup is Good Food is mm. one of my favorite favorite punk songs of all time. Favorite Dead Kennedy songs. I mean, they've, uh, they've got a lot of great songs. Yeah, they do. Minutemen, Three Way Tie for Last. Uh, this would be the last album uh, with D. Boone on it. He died on the 22nd of December of 1985 at 27 years old. So he's a part of that 27 year old club. Right to Spring. Probably, I don't, had you ever listened to Right to Spring no, before? No, so good. Fantastic. Absolutely front to back. Amazing. Two of those members went on to become Fugazi. One of uh, the lead singer of Fugazi, uh, Zia Mackay, and Minor Threat released their final EP, Salad Days, in 1985 as well. He went on to be to, to make the band Embrace, and then he would join Fugazi uh, when they started, I think, in like 1989 or so. And Black Flag, as we know it, uh, before they came back in 2013 with like just garbage garbage band uh this is the last of black flag as we know it this was their last album with henry rollins Mm. as the lead singer of course greg ginn wrote all the songs but the drummer was bill stevenson who left the descendants to join black flag and then when the descendants got back together left black flag (laughs) to be a part of the descendants and we might know bill stevenson even if you don't listen to the descendants or this version of black flag or or any of that uh, he owns the Blasting Room in Fort Collins, where probably a lot, if you listen sure. to like new punk music, um, Wilhelm Scream, Propagandi, uh, record at the Blasting Room with Bill Stevenson as the producer. So huh. he is influential still to this day. Um, and obviously the Descendants are still a, very much a band, and they released their second one after Milo goes to college, because um, they broke up because Milo went to college. And then he <laughs> came back from college, and uh, they released I Don't Want to Grow Up, which is another... Yeah, it's a good good album. Descendants have a lot of great records. What about the Dicks? Do you like the Dicks? Though? I do. Yeah, like and the Offenders, of course. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even I forgot to even put those on there. Yeah, those were uh, those were great too. Those were more traditional. Yeah, punk. Well, I just like because I'm such a bad gay. Like, I didn't even know that the Dicks were a thing, and to have a openly gay like bear lead singer from Texas from fucking Texas kicking ass and talking about police brutality and talking mm-hmm. about people fucking dying of AIDS in the street and shit like. Amazing. Yeah. The Dicks are great. And the Dicks are, I don't think, a band anymore. No, no, no. And but no, he's gone on to do a bunch mm-hmm. of stuff. Oh, yeah. He's, I forget what his name Gary is. Gary Floyd. There you go. And he is, a, yeah, he's definitely a fixture. I think he's still in Austin, honestly. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge movement at that time was that Texas 
punk shit. And there were like cow punk bands or whatever. And then yeah, even Bob yeah, Dylan yeah. got roped up in. I mean, it, there is like Whoa. Dylan is enough of like a you know a music fan where it there are weird ass influences that even Bob Dylan knows. I mean, we had the Joker Man, you know, sort of post punk mm-hmm. version of Dylan that could have existed. He could have had a cow punk record. I mean, who knows what Bob Dylan could have done if he wasn't like I need all the money. <laughs> so Kelly, there were a couple of other artists that were like I need all the money. And they got all the money because these are the top 10 songs from Billboard. You know every one of these songs. Oh, I'm sure. We're going to go from 10 up to number one because I think we can't start with number one. We just can't. Okay. We have to start with number two. That's not how things work. Take On Me by AHA. We talked about this during our music video month. We did. Because music video is great. And I didn't realize it was 85. Oh, yeah. The video uh, is amazing. Mm -hmm. And the song's sketchy as well. The song is still a classic. Mm -hmm. Uh, You listen to it today and you're still... Really excited to hear it. I think that's important, actually, as we go on. Do you still want to listen to this song in 2018? Mm. Uh, versus, like, I understand why all of these are of 1985, but are they still relevant today? Take On Me? Yes. Sure. Yeah. I think Take On Me can be covered by any band, and the people would know it instantly. That's pretty important. Real Big Fish. <laughs> yes. Yes. Number nine. <laughs> Crazy For You by Madonna. I accidentally bought this album. I mean, not accidentally. I bought it on purpose, but I own it. Yes. (laughs) I bought it on purpose in the way that I was at the Goodwill and I was like, I'm going to buy all these seven inches because they actually have the sleeve, which is really hard to find for some reason because you always just find 45s with nothing. Nothing. So I was like, oh. And that just happened to fucking be one of the ones. So when I was going through this playlist, I'm like, I think I have this record. Oh, I fucking do. Um, So it's terrible. Uh, it was written for a movie, I guess, yeah. and it's just awful. It's it's interesting to have like a virgin on our playlist, and then also this. Spoiler alert! <laughs> yeah, the song's not really great. How was this in the top ten? Number nine. What the fuck? And I would say, not even. No, no way. Not even. Number eight, money for nothing, Dire Straits, as we talked about before. Yeah. I'm a big Leave It fan, yeah. but I understand why people would like this song. It's interesting. It's whatever. I'm taking on. People, especially really ignorant people that we very much still have today, mm-hmm. it's kind of a timeless, you know, American thing to do. So, unfortunately, this song still rings very, um, what's the opposite of hollow? It's that. Number seven, everybody wants to rule the world, tears for fears. Hell yeah. This song is bad. Bad in the <laughs> 1985 sense, where it's awesome. It's good. Nobody says bad anymore. I'm glad we kind of stopped doing that. That's it confusing. Gets, it's confusing as hell. Uh, I love this song. Yeah. At first, I was kind of like, it's long. It's a very mm. long song. I was like, I don't really want to listen to it. But, man. It just makes you feel good. So good. Yeah. And it does the thing where, emotionally, <laughs> this does that, every but, but, but it's so much better. Mm-hmm. And that little, do, 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 do. Yeah, so nice. It's another one that's like instantly recognizable, which I would say, take on me to that, like, you know immediately what song it is. And you're ready. You're fucking soaked. Yeah. I think it's just a little too long. That's my only critique on it. Number six, Out of Touch, Hollow Notes. I love this song. This song is so good. <laughs> Hollow Notes are, are fabulous. I mean, they're they're really good at pop music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like this song a lot. I didn't think I knew what it was mm. until I heard it, and I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. We got this. So I think, uh, but that might be a little bit weird. I think that um, Everybody Wants to Rule the World makes sense today. Like, you could listen to that song today, mm-hmm. and I think it still fits. Out of Touch, I don't, I don't It know. feels more dated. More dated. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, one that I think definitely feels dated is number five, I Feel For You by Shaka Khan. 
Oh yeah, that's it's a it's, weird one. It's a weird one. It's we we have like another existential crisis where we've talked multiple times about like how does Prince in the Batman soundtrack become number one? What does that even mean? Like, it's because today being number one is kind of weird because it's like Drake can literally have all of Scorpion is number one because <laughs> right. everyone was like so it means yeah. nothing today to be number one. But back then, in theory, it's like radio play and people physically buying things, right? So buying singles too, which is nuts. so. And this is a weird single. This is a strange like collection of like sounds, mm-hmm. which is really cool. But there's no unity to it at least you feel like a song a lot of the time <laughs> that's what i mean which is really interesting and i'm sure like on the on a full album sounds great what a weird single mm-hmm. and what a weird single will be the number five overall for the year i find that to be crazy yeah, that's bizarre but i don't think that it sounds as dated as a lot of other stuff mm-hmm. because it seemed because it it's so fixed. experimental mm-hmm. i think that you you can go one way or the other you can either make it sound like this is unlistenable what were they doing in the 80s or it's like oh okay we mm-hmm. still do weird shit yeah totally i kind of understand it a uh, song that I do not care for at all. Number four, I Want to Know What Love Is by Foreigner. Oh, man. So I've heard this song a million times. Everyone's heard this song. I just remember going through like TVA late at night, and you would go get to those infomercials, God, yeah, in the 90s, where it'd be like they're selling box sets of CDs, and it's like all oh, your favorite hits from the 80s, and then scrolling, it would show the list of the songs, and whatever song was playing would be in yellow instead yeah. of white. Mm-hmm. And it would always, I want to know what love is. Scroll it, call now, only 1995. <laughs> But I don't think I've ever listened to this song in totality from beginning mm-hmm. to end. So when its song started, and I wasn't like looking at my phone or looking at the computer when the playlist was going, I was like, "What is this?" Because yeah. for the first minute, I was like, "Okay, this is good. I'm in." Yeah. Whatever. And then, like, as soon as he starts cry singing, I was like, "Oh, this song, no!" <laughs> and you're just like instinctively on your phone, one eight hundred. Oh, what am I doing? Oh, I do that box set now. <laughs> Uh, that's just the worst all of those are always bad they're just so bad Uh, yeah that song is undoable the first minute and three seconds totally fine where they're building up slowly with their guitar (laughs) like literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of songs have done yes Uh, no that song is horrible no thank you number three Wake Me Up Before You Go Go hell yeah wham Wham. Uh, no I think the song is fucking brilliant (laughs) yeah you came around oh yeah no 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 I yeah I had this weird moment where I was uh stuff I was at work and I was trying to to save a word file and like it wasn't going my computer was freezing and all the while I'm like freaking out my heart rate is is pumping and I'm like why am I so mad and it's fucking in my earbuds wake Wake me up before you go and it's so happy that I just ripped it out and had to throw it down I'm out why would you do this to me so I was very upset at Wham but at the same time that song is fucking good so catchy so good it will forever be Zoolander to me it's good. Which yes. is a fantastic scene. And, that, and I think that's weird for us, like being kids too. Like that is very much a song that is put in 90s movies and uh, evokes a very specific feeling. And I'm sure there's a lot of going through the 80s because we'll get a couple more chances. 87, 89, 83. Oh, oh thank God. Yes, that means that we can talk oh, about... Oh, 80 and 81 as well. So uh, saved and uh, shot of love. So we're going to have plenty of shots. We're just going to miss a few years. 84, unfortunately, we're going to miss, even though that's probably one of the best years in... And like punk music, especially oh, yeah. Minutemen, Double Nickels on the Dime. And so that's a bummer. Um, but, you know, 85, it's like whatever. <laughs> we're dealing with, with some shit here. But yeah, we're going to have plenty of 80s stuff to talk about, which I'm into. Um, so I think Wake Me Up Before You Go Go, it doesn't sound like a song that could exist today Jitterbug. on the radio, if you will. But uh, but I think it's pretty timeless. Yeah. Great fucking song. <laughs> Number two, I, another classic, Like a Virgin, Madonna. Yeah. Spoiler from before, now. Man, two on the top ten. 
two on the top ten, which is uh, impressive and good for her. And Madonna was a huge, huge, huge thing in 1984 and 85. 84 was when the album came out. So she's mm-hmm. still, a year later, still commanding the charts. And Like a Virgin is a classic. Oh, yeah. I think it's still a song that could be covered today and people would know instantly what it is and know all the words. I think it's musically called. it's super dated. Just dun, 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 that really heavy synth bass. Yeah, but I think that also does what you were saying before where it's like, it, it while it feels incredibly dated, it also feels absolutely appropriate for its time. Like, it almost makes no sense elsewhere. Plus, like, people I are bringing back it. synth pop so much, like churches and multiple other bands. They probably cover the shit out oh, of Oh, I song. imagine, yeah. Absolutely. And number one, I think the, the most questionable number one of all time, I don't understand what was going on in 1985, Careless Whisper, George Michael. Oh my god. Like, what's your damage? Wow. What's your damage? Okay, so George Michael has two on the top ten also. True, true. Uh, yeah, there, the only song I, that I know that I like by George Michael is Freedom, and I really only like the chorus because the rest of the song's a slag. But uh, yeah, it's <laughs> Careless Whisper. I, I didn't know this was a real song. Me too. Uh, because I think I've only heard that smooth jazz sax line. But if you don't know what it is, please take a listen. I've only ever heard it mocked. Like I've only ever heard that smooth jazz sax line in a scene that, like, in a, in a pop culture, like, in a something TV movie, TV. and it's a joke. Yeah, you know? making like, fun you're of it. Yeah. Light, light the candles and stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah. It's like they sit down and then you calm your pants immediately. It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's just yeah. like this weird build up, and because it, it is like the default porno music essentially mm-hmm. that we've just like all adopted. Yeah. Because you either the bounce like a wow wow or wow wow. And I wonder what fucking poor Kenny G is thinking over there, like making this music for a living and. Fucking yeah. George Michael out of nowhere just like takes it and runs. It's like, must feel, you know. Hey, are you using this? Soprano sax? Yank. <laughs> I was. I was, uh. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's appalling. And then the words make it even mm. worse. <laughs> like, and I have heard it. I know I've heard it, but I guess I never put two and two together somehow. I feel like I've only ever heard the careless whisper part, like where he's singing it. Yeah. God, no, whatever. But not both not somehow. Like, I've never heard the song in totality. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, it's just listening to it. It, it hurts. It yeah. just it hurts every sensibility. It's uh, in a way, I think it might be worse than like synth drums. You know, like Ada Reverb. I hate oh, that so much. God. But I don't know. Do I hate this? I hate this more. I think Kayla's Whisper is horrible. A couple other songs that um, we either know or we don't know. One of those. Uh, th- these are international, more international hits. So these were on top tens in like UK or whatever. Otherwise, they're just shared with what we just went over. Uh, Nikita, Elton John. Yeah, I never heard that. Never heard that no, in my life. No, not a big Elton John person. So. No, uh, he's going on his final farewell tour, farewell Yellow Brick Road tour or whatever across the world. Oh. He's on that currently. I think his first night he just did. I want to say it was in Seattle. I think he's coming oh, sure. down here real, real soon. Um, so that's happening. A shout, Tears for Fears. Hell yeah. We listened, unfortunately, to... The Disturbed version. The Disturbed version <laughs> earlier today. And it was as bad as you would expect it to be. Because that's the first time I ever heard the song was through Disturbed. Have you ever heard of Maury Head before? One oh, I, I have heard mm-hmm. this song. Me too. Never would have known Murray Head, who the fuck that is. I don't know if that's a person. Really. Yeah, so <laughs> I looked, I went to his Spotify page just a little minute ago because I was curious, like, where did this guy come from? And his other, his top tracks in Spotify are four versions of this song and then one other song, and it's completely different. It's clearly 20 years before this, and he was kind of like a folksy guy. Oh, nice. Which is weird. But yeah, this song, problematic, but kind of cool I like that he was like yeah keep your fucking shrines or whatever but I think what he's saying is you can keep that because I'm here for sex tourism which is not great 
But I do like, I don't, and it's like really catchy in the way that he's talking. Oh, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just really interesting. It's very novelty-ish, and I, I think that uh, making four remix versions of it or whatever Unnecessary. Uh, is about right. Yeah. He's paying his rent in some like, <laughs> Still studio apartment. For this. Yeah. Yes, uh, absolutely. And then, of course, we can't leave without talking about We Are the World. And if you want to listen to Bob Dylan, I'll play it here, um, because <laughs> instead of listening to eight minutes of a song, uh, 3.45 is, is the sweet spot. So starting at 3.45, you can get your Bob Dylan film. It's eight minutes? It's a long song. Obviously, if you've never seen the video of Bob Dylan not singing along to the chorus, highly, (laughs) highly recommend it. He is not even really trying. He's not mouthing the words. He barely um, mouths like, we are the children or whatever. And he's just sitting there waiting for it to end. He is really not, shouldn't be there. But he's such a pop star at that time. Like, if this was in 1986-7, I don't think he would actually get a verse. Mm -hmm. You know, but they they gave him a whole two lines where it's just... Him. Yep. And the boss, Bruce Springsteen, comes after him. It really makes me think of uh, when I was in elementary school, I was in uh, a musical, like everybody, like every person in kindergarten, each class did its own little musical thing. Right. Um, and I just remember home videos and like panning across the kids singing and so many of them making the same exact faces that Bob Dylan's making. It's just really just, funny. Like, looking around and like, okay. Am I right? And then like some kid, like their parents are clearly yelling at them for digging in their crotch or something. Oh, and it's yeah. like, what am I? <laughs> One kid throws up. Yeah, exactly. It's just classic, classic. Very much that. Uh, 1985, I grew up outside of D.C. Uh, I was obsessed with Minor Threat. I wanted to be Minor Threat. I wanted to be Fugazi, do $10 shows and all that kind of stuff. Uh, there was a movement in 1985, which I kind of had forgot about until we were redoing this, especially with Right to Spring, which every two or three years I like just fall down that hole. So this has been another one of those. Uh, it was called Revolution Summer in 1985 in D.C. And D.C. was having a renaissance uh, in a way that uh, Southern California had it early in 1983 to 84, into 85. Black Flag obviously was a huge catalyst for that. Um, but in D.C., Minor Threat was not an unknown thing. Bad Brains, Teen mm. Idols, uh, SOA. And SOA had um, Henry Rollins before he went out to California to be uh-huh. in fucking Black Flag. Uh, Iron Cross, Void, one of my favorite punk bands of all time, Youth Brigade, uh, Government Issue. So many of these bands existed in just this little moment. Uh, we listened to um, The Dams, Phantasmagoria. It sounds weird. It sounds like a um, like a, like a a goth rock. Yeah, like, like a typo negative. Exactly. And so Government Issue kind of did that too. They were like a hardcore punk band. And they sort of kept being a band. And they transitioned into this weird, like writing sort of just general rock songs. And that's, that's always kind of... Uh, been a strange thing because so many of these bands just lived in the moment and died in the moment. Bad Brains is probably the biggest band from this era. So anyways, Revolution Summer, they had a whole uh, concert series, I guess you would call it, where all these bands played, where they played um, to stand up against violence, uh, slam dancing. They were not into that. Hmm. And a lot of bands today are not into that either, jumping on top of people and uh, all that kind of stuff. And sexism. They were against sexism in the scene uh, and a lot of great artists today uh, mystery band Jeff Rosenstock Gaslight Anthem just had a couple of shows recently this summer where they called out their fans for being shitty good and being awful yeah so it's something that will never end unfortunately 
Uh, but but there were, were Red Spring, uh, Embrace, uh, Ian McKay again was was the, the lead of that. Dag Nasty, who was maybe the, the, one of the best one album encapsulations of DC Punk. Uh, Gray Matter was there. Uh, and Rights of Spring was really great. I'm glad you really liked them because, um, yeah, two of the members, um, Brandon Canty and Guy Pistachio, uh, go on to form Fugazi with Ian McKay yeah, as uh, another singer. To them. That's what I'm supposed to do. One yeah, yeah. Well, well, and once we get into the 90s, and again, 89, we'll get uh, Oh Mercy. 90, we'll get um, Under the Under the Red Sky. So we'll get enough chances because they break up in the year 2000. So every we'll have a couple more chances so we'll be we'll be good so anyways i wanted to highlight that so if you have not listened to like dc punk i recommend starting with rights of spring and just working your way backwards into minor threat who i think are still one of the greatest bands of all time before we go kelly we were born a couple of years after this i was born in 1987 you were born in 1988 who was born in 1985 these are often really strange. <laughs> These are often really strange because you're not of that age. Right. So uh, we also have a Buffy podcast um, called If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. Uh, we're about to start season three soon. So That's if you want to check that out, go look Go look that up. But often I'm in 1997 just kind of looking around uh, trying to like see what else was going on. Mm-hmm. And you come across who was born in the 90s. I don't fucking know any of these people. They're like 20 years old. True. But we know some of these people born in 85 because they're our age. So who was born in 1985? J. Cole, Haley Duff. You you know who Haley Duff is? Hillary Duff's sister. Oh, okay. Yeah, duh. <laughs> duh, okay. <laughs> Yulia Volkova. All right. <laughs> Tattoo. No shit. <laughs> Colby Calais. Never forget. She's the one who does the sunshine. She does the theme song for the hills. My, my window. If there's inhibition, um, oh, feel the rain, rain on that's your her. skin. No one else can hear Yeah, the, the theme song <laughs> of Red Robin is Colby Calais, Lana Del Rey. Okay. Kay Flay. Hey. Ashley Tisdale. We we're talking about High School Musical earlier. Oh, sure. Uh, Alyssa White Glues. She is the. <laughs> Sorry, just. <laughs> Sorry. White Glues. <laughs> White hyphen glues. Sure, sure. Alyssa White hyphen glues, the lead singer of Arch Enemy. Oh no shit! Okay, mm-hmm. she's uh, the one that uses the pedal, right? I don't know. What she's is... she's the good one. The, okay. the early Arch Enemy, like their first two records, I thought that it had her on it because I liked her singing the, mm-hmm. some of the songs. They're horrible. It's some oh. dude, fucking okay. awful. But but she is, I think, currently still the singer of Arch Enemy. Mm. She's great. Nice. I mean, I don't really care for the music anymore, but like in that moment, yeah. it was cool to see. A woman. Thank God, yeah. Fucking screaming her head off. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Bruno Mars. Oh, shit. Zach Hansen, the youngest one, 1985. No he kidding. was just a baby, and now he's older than me. <laughs> I guess he was uh, older than you the whole time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> just barely. Uh, Sierra and uh, Carly Rae Jepsen. She's, wow, I she's 32? She was, she's or older than us. 33? Yeah, 33. Wow. Mm-hmm. No shit. I thought she was. I thought I was older. That's Call Me Maybe, right? That's Call Me Maybe. She's thirty three. She's thirty three. Dang. Her and Jay Cole could get together and. Uh, so Kelly, that was nineteen eighty five. We were not born then. So once yep. we listened to the horrible member Shenandoah, the song mm-hmm. that album came out in nineteen eighty seven. Uh, we'll be able to talk about nineteen eighty seven. There's no nineteen eighty eight. So we'll have to mold the two together. So That's we can fine. talk about when <laughs> we were born because obviously once you're born, you then have to. Uh, 
justify and account for everything that happened in that year that you were naturally. just a baby. Naturally. But, but naturally, your they're your favorite artists. Those movies are your favorite movies. Right, right. And that's what we we're going to get to. Not the rest of it. Who cares about the 90s? <laughs> it's all about the moment you were born. Right. Like an anchor, just tied <laughs> to you for the rest of your life. So sorry, J. Cole. Sorry, Haley Duff. Empire Burlesque will be on your tombstones. <laughs> Signing out from 1985. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Shout! Shout! Hit it!